Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Hey, you lovable nerds, this is Shared History. History, just do it. Oh my god, is that a reference to Nike? Just history. <laughs> Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Cass Maher. And I'm Natalie Younger. And across from me, looking beautiful as always, on the ones and twos, <laughs> is DJ Rip Camelucci. DJ! Bringing it to the sports streets. That's right. To the pitch, I guess you would say, or the field. Uh, we don't. I don't play sports. That's uh, right. Our theme for the episode today is sports. Which, uh, Cass, why were you inspired to to do a sports episode? Well, kids, spoiler alert: we pre-record these episodes. So currently, right now, as I am sitting in the present, the women's World Cup in France is going on. We have Ooh. just started. The knockout stage, and actually, I believe the Germany-Nigeria game should be wrapping up. And Germany won 3-0. Wow, this is breaking news. Breaking news. For a month from now when you're going to listen to this. I believe when this episode comes out, it will have been done for about two weeks. Yeah, something like that. Um, But yeah, so it's sports. Um, Let's just jump in. Yeah. Cool. Um, so the, the World Cup's going on right now. Soccer, very near and dear to my heart. Um, so I would like to talk to you about um, the 99ers, which is the U.S. women's national team. Uh, I thought we were going to talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Um, there's a tie-in. I swear to God, just wait. No. <laughs> I'll find it. Continue. Uh, the, the 1999 FIFA's, FIFA Women's World Cup um, took place in, it was hosted by the United States in June, July of 1999. How gracious of us. Right? Um, this was uh, a, a huge national kind of phenomenon that went on, and it was an anomaly. Um, women's sports weren't really a thing. Um, this was... Uh, the largest women's only sporting event in the world ever. Um, I think tennis was, it was really big in like the the seventies and the eighties and even now and everything, but they're always kind of in tandem with the men's tournaments and whatnot. Um, This was the only like only women's sporting event. Um, And it was huge. Uh, This was the third uh, women's World Cup. The very first one was in 1999, which the United States won. But also, like, there was only, I think, 16 teams in the tournament, maybe less. Wait, the first one was in 1999? I thought this 1991. One. Got Sorry. it. Okay. 1991, which we we won. Uh, and then 1995, which we lost in the finals. And then 1999. This one currently. Um, this is when the, Im- the immersion of... Uh, Mia Ham, the Mia Ham phenomenon. Yes. Um, this was when I was playing soccer. This was when, yeah. So 
So that's what's interesting about this is that it was it literally swept the nation. Um, the women in the in the Olympics the year prior, uh, they won everything and they were selling the out US women's team. The US women's team and they were breaking records. They had like seventy thousand people in the stands and everything, but none of the games were televised. And they were still getting paid dick. Yup. Because um, they still are. <laughs> um for winning the nineteen ninety one women's world cup, each player got paid five hundred dollars. You could get a lot of soup, salad, and breadsticks at Olive Garden for $500. (laughs) You could get some soup, salad, and breadsticks, and you'd still have, I think, $490 (laughs) to spend on some disgustingly sweet wines and teas. I'm telling you, it's unlimited. You don't have to keep paying for more. What am I going to do with my $500 windfall? And my $10 per diem. They're getting a $10 per diem right now. Uh, Well, there's the tour uh, Now it's it's 30, but um, but so this this was huge. All of the games were televised live. Um, they were selling out uh, 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 stadiums, um, and they became celebrities. And no one knew why or how. It was literally an anomaly. They didn't really. I don't think they had a, a domestic league. You know, they weren't playing like professional soccer. Um, and. Can I interrupt for a hot sec? Yeah. I have a question. Please. So is in the United States, yeah. the, 90, the 99 Women's World Cup. Yes. Um, was it partially in the United States? Like, did the United States bid for it because of how successful the U.S. team was in the Olympics? Uh, or was it just like I don't out of a hat? I don't know how they did this because... Okay. because I don't know how they choose the cities for like anything outside of the Olympics. Well, for the for the World Cup um, and, and now for the Women's World Cup and for the, for the men's, you have to bid like like eight years in advance. Yeah, that's why I wasn't sure but if it, since it's it, only the third one. Right, yeah. Since it was so small and whatnot, I, I don't think they would have bid... Uh, I think they would have had to do it longer in advance. Yeah. Um, the team was good. Uh, they weren't well known. So I'm sure they're like, well, I we'll also keep- ask cause like a soccer football is a, not yeah. as, not as just generally not as popular from like a fandom and like watching perspective. Exactly. And certainly not even the men's league, not as financially supported right. in America versus. Yeah. So I don't know how they got the bid or whatnot, but that's what also makes it so interesting is they, um, there's this this beautiful documentary called um, Nine for Nine. It's N I N E four and then I X. Uh, okay. ESPN has a series called Nine for Nine about um, it's like a play on Title Nine. Um, all these women's um, events and and yeah people and whatnot. Check it out. It's called the Ninety Niners. It's beautiful. I was going. I was trying to get some of this my notes done during work and I just had it pulled up. It's on YouTube. And I literally got emotional. I was like, I can't do this at work. <laughs> Is this too much? Um, it's too much. Uh, uh, they, they talked about how they're like, we could play this safe. We could play it small. We could just do a few, you know, like college stadiums on the East coast or whatever. Um, and for some reason they're like, Nope, we're gonna, we're gonna go big or go home. And they, it was across the nation. Um, and they were playing it like they played the final championship game in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. That's so cool. The capacity is over ninety thousand. They sold out. Yes, ninety thousand. Um, they were playing in the Giants Stadium in New Jersey, which is, I believe, seventy or eighty thousand. They sold that out. Like they, they, no one had even heard of them, and mm. all of a sudden, everyone can't stop talking about them. Um, and 
part of this was um, their marketing plan. Uh, there were no major men's or, or any sporting events going on at this time. Yeah. It's like in the middle of the summer. It's not during the Olympics. It's not during the men's World it's Cup early or anything. enough in the baseball season. Yeah, nothing big is going on. So they picked the perfect time. Um, and they, they were like, we need to tap into a market that we don't usually. Like, we're not going to go for the... You know, people who watch men's sports because they don't care about women's sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is when the kind of phenomenon of the soccer mom came about. They were they were going for like a wholesome family family friendly like rec soccer league. Like um, we want to give you these kind of like great role models, and they're very polished and kind and sweet hometown girls. Um, and they played into that, and they started getting sponsors that don't normally. Um, sponsor sporting events i think if you watch the i was re i was re-watching the um the final a while ago it's like all on youtube and the where they cut in before the pks there's like a kotex commercial like you would never see yeah. a tampon commercial like in the middle of the super bowl nope. um but so they're bringing in all these sponsors who are like oh yeah let's yeah, do they're it brands that have money and they have money to spend and they're probably not really ever asked Exactly. To be, to sponsor. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and, and it was just, it was, it does kind of bother me though, that they're like, Oh, so it's a women's sporting event and get, get the tampons right. to sponsor it. I know. Sponsored by your period. Women. Uh, the, the, it, it's a beautiful documentary though, this nine for nine. And they have a lot of like, this is literally like the modern day version of a league of their own. I swear to God, it's so hard to watch this and not see that because it's like, um, this you know this women's league of the man sport and we're like, just gonna how cute yeah and then they like kick ass in the documentary it starts off and they get um, I think nine of the original twenty person roster so like they got Mia Hamm they got Michelle Akers that Christine Lilly Brandy Chastain all these people that none of your names faces are <laughs> recognizing but um, they got all of them together in the one of the stadiums they played at, it wasn't at the Rose Bowl, but they're just sitting in this empty stadium in the center of the field and they're like talking and catching up and then they they cut to Mia Hamm and she's just kind of like looking off into the distance at the stadium in silence and then they start playing this music over it and then they cut into like home videos and like yeah. like like old footage from the from the actual stuff and like radio announcers going over. I was like, this is literally the opening scene of League of the Road. Yeah. Um, and there was this quote, I think it was Tom Brokaw that said it, the, the best known group of unknown women to captivate America. Like, no one knew who these women are and then they were all obsessed with them. And Mia Hamm became the face of it. Yeah. She was like the, the girl next door. She was very humble. She hated the attention and for some reason they locked onto her. And there's this, it was kind of heartbreaking. They're like, what do you miss about it? And what was the hardest part of that? And um, she was like, honestly, the hardest part about being the celebrity spotlight was when all the girls got on the bus and I had to stay for the press stuff because all they talk about the whole time is how it was so much of like, yes, we love the sport of soccer, but we had this family here. Like um, uh, Joy Fawcett had, a, had kids and she had the kids on the bus going around yeah. with them and they were like joint raising these children and, if you've ever been part of a team sport, um, 
The, the bus times are the best times. Those memories where you're waiting around for practice to start or you're at a tournament and you got downtime. The best memories are not when you're on the field. It's when you're getting ready to go on. Yeah. Um, and she's like, and I miss that. And she started getting teary eyed and whatnot. And she's like, and all I ever wanted to do during those interviews was not make it about myself and highlight how amazing these women were. And, and that goes back to kind of like, uh, this was not just like a great inspirational moment and they didn't just get to focus on the soccer. They said um, uh, the pressure of the tournament being a success was on us and we had to keep going. If they didn't win this tournament, women's soccer would not be what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, In U.S. or? Anywhere. Okay. That's what's so crazy about, and that's why the Women's World Cup now going on in 2019 is so, I, I'm obsessively posting about it on Facebook, and I know people are getting annoyed with it, and I talk about it all the time, and I Whatever. really- Whatever. If we have to deal with people like obsessively posting about their fantasy football league, <laughs> or like, just like, boom, yeah. fly the W, and all that jazz, like- But, but not they, a lot of people are are into soccer, women's soccer, no less, but what's what gets me so like- obsessively passionate about it is it's not just about a game, which is unfortunate because these are amazing athletes and professional athletes. But every time they step onto the field, it's not just about winning a game. It's not about bragging rights for your country. And it's not about like making a good, you know, like a PR moment. They need to win games to keep this sport going. Mm -hmm. The U S women's team is fighting a lawsuit they were getting uh, shit from the media about their blowout win against Thailand. They scored 13 to zero and then they kept scoring and kept scoring. And everyone's like, that's not sportsmanlike. And like, you shouldn't be celebrating and whatnot. And for them, it's like, Hey, this is what we do. We're professionals. Like goal differential matters when you get into tournaments and stuff. Like we need those goals for, cause otherwise we might not progress on whatnot. And we're the best in the world. Give us the money we're due. Give us the attention and the respect we're due as athletes. Everything they do is like, we need to keep the sport alive and we need to prove that we are marketable. So you will allow us to do this. There's always been so much more involved in women's athlete athletics than just the sport, which is really unfortunate, but it's also why women's athletics are so, inspirational and motivating and it's never just about the sports it's always about fighting for something i think there's so much more like i think that the athleticism even is better like there's so there's so much more fun to watch a like a women's basketball game yeah and a like women's sport uh soccer match and like women's tennis and like everything because i i it's that thing where it's like they they kind of have to be perfect. Yeah. So it's like the, the all of the games are really intense. Yeah. You don't get as much of uh, I I don't follow the NBA, but one of my uh, friends and coworkers like follows it religiously, and he'll always kind of he always complains about how the NBA now is very much like it be, it's become very much pomp and circumstance. Like it's more about like the like the press and like there's more theatrics involved yeah. and not enough. Well, also, and there's more like po- like political bullshit involved yeah. in in the gameplay in the not game even, in like, the gameplay itself because they've started playing numbers and statistics. Like I love watching women's sports because a growing up as an athlete 
we were, it was pounded in us that like, in order to be taken seriously, you need to be strong and tough and prove that you can fight with the boys. Not just, it was never really about skill or flourish or embellishment. Like we learned fundamentals. Yeah. Bas- like defense, you will never see better defense than on women's basketball. Um, and it is fighting and you lose a lot of that kind of flourish and the... Uh, yeah, the, it's the f- not about a dunk competition. Yeah, or like- you won't get that from women because we're told that you need to be strong. And if you're not strong and don't get a black eye, like you're just a little girl. And so what's, what's cool about sports now is, is like the Tobin Heaths, who is one of the most amazing, um, flourishy soccer players right now. Um, the sports are getting big enough where we don't need to just be able to be tough and hang. Like we can start focusing on making it beautiful and pretty and, and exciting to watch as opposed to just like, I need help side defense and I need to get the ball and I need to outlet pass. Yeah. And and men's NBA, they play statistics. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to go for the offensive rebound because statistically if we get back and, you know, it's just about taking shots. It's like, that's why they don't play defense. I yeah. hate it. Anyways, back to the, <laughs> back to the 99ers. Um, this isn't about them. This isn't about them. Uh, they, one of their press people uh, said to Mia Hamm, um, every time they stepped on the field, they were selling the game. They wanted to win, and they wanted to win attractively. Everything she did was to make them better and make the sport better. Um, and that goes back to like League of Their Own, where they're like, "Why don't we give you like short skirts and whatnot?" Yeah. And they weren't doing it like we're gonna like hoochie mama you up, but it was like make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you for putting that in the parlance of 1999 as well. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so, so they, they got out of the group. So the way the, the world cup works is everyone's in group stages. So there's groups of four and you play everyone on the team on those groups, whoever wins the most moves on to the knockout round. And then it's just kind of like a bracket system. They got into the knockout round and they won every single game. They only tied once. So they never lost a game in the whole tournament. Um, they went up against China in the championship game. And the U.S. was not favored to win. Um, China had beat them twice already. I think they had won the World Cup the year before. Maybe Norway did. China was like a really technical, um, aggressive team. And the United States was like, they don't. They have a chance to win, but they're not favored yeah. to. Um, and so they get into the game and it was a 0-0 draw, which a lot of the times are like, oh, a nil-nil draw is boring. But this was like so intense and uh michelle Akers, who was the captain of the team suffered from extreme dehydration and fatigue through the last like 10 years of her career so during games she was literally on an iv on the sideline and they would put wet towels on her to keep her like she was literally like barely staying alive on the field holy crap um and there were just some it was amazing like intense and it was like everyone was with bated breath so it ended um with 120 minutes they played regulation which is 90 minutes and then they went into half hour of overtime also this was in pasadena california it was 100 degrees their cleats were literally melting on the pitch 
and Michelle Akers, who sorry, I'm making the most. Uh, she looked. Uh, Nelly the looks frightened, disgusted, and frightened face. Yeah. Um. And and Michelle Akers, who's literally like suffering with an IV, you know, when she's not on the pitch. Um. Hundred degree heat. They're going into a penalty shootout. So each team gets five kicks. Um. And whoever makes the most wins. Uh. I was a goalkeeper as a goalie. Most goalies hate PKs because they're like, it's not in your favor. You got no chance. You got to get lucky. Um, I liked it because it was very much like you got to guess the right way, but you also have to read what the person is giving you, but also kind of like it's mind games. Yeah. What I would always do is like you kind of you stand in the middle. You have to stand on the line. You can't step off the line until they kick. Um, so I would literally inch like two inches to the left. And barely noticeable, but in their line of sight, if they're looking at the goal, it just naturally looks a little bigger on one side. So so sometimes you're like, oh, they're going to go to that side. I'm going to push them to that side. Um, As a goalie, if you make it to PKs, stop one. That's always your goal. Just get one out of five. Um, And hopefully someone will shank one and whatnot. Brianna Scurry, who is one of the most amazing goalkeepers of all time, uh, she was like, I never look at them while they're about to shoot. I turn my back, you know, when I'm walking up to the goal, I don't look at the person, but for some reason, the number three, uh, kick taker, I just look up at her. And if you've ever seen Brianna Scurry while she's playing soccer, girl is intense. intense. Yeah. Like there's this, like after she, uh, blocks a goal, she was like, Oh, like screaming. And, um, I'm 100% more intimidated watching any women's sport like and i there's that was like through like high school yeah like teams because because there is such a badassery about them because we are it's it is hammered into us that we have to be strong and we can't show like pain or fear or anything so we like like just black out and like yeah girls lacrosse in high school doesn't wear pads no i i was in a a practice once and it was during JV when I asked to go down to JV because I didn't want to be on the varsity team anymore. Um, and one of our... Humble brag. Humble brag. Um, one of our coaches was a Drake women's soccer player. She was a defender. Her thigh was like the size of a tree trunk. She was so strong. And we were playing this game called Power Finesse where uh, someone takes a shot on you from outside the 18 and then they pass a ball and then they take a, a shot on you very close. So she takes a shot from far out and then she gets the pass ball to take a closer shot and she rockets it straight into my face and I black out like straight up unconscious and when I wake up everyone's hovered over me and I go did the ball go in <laughs> like it's ridiculous um so Brian is great decides, very intense very intense looks at the third she looks at this player and gives her this death stare like you can see it and she's just got this scowl on her face and she's like for some reason I decided to look up and I saw like her body language and her face and she just did not look super confident and something in me was like no matter which way she goes I'm going to block this like I just know I'm going to block this shot and she blocks the shot Uh, she was a mile off her line first of all you're only allowed to take one step off the line um, as a person's taking it uh now it has changed where you have to have one foot on the line still, which is just <sighs> stupid. But before they changed that rule, you could, you could kind of fudge it a little bit, take a few steps off. Anyway, she blocks the shot. Everyone's freaking out. 
Um, Mia Hamm, who was like the darling, she's like the Alex Morgan yeah. of the 99ers. Uh, she didn't want to take PKs. She hated taking PKs. And on the side, before they go into shootout, where they make the lineup of like, you're going to go first, you're going to go second. Um, she was like not really into it. And the PK coach was like, you're the highest goal scorer on this team. You should be taking these shots. And as soon as she said that, she was like, oh, cool. I got it. Um, Mia Hamm drains it. Everyone freaks out. Brandy Chastain is the last person to take a PK. And this is that famous shot. Uh, she was right-footed, and she's a defender. And Tony DeChico, RIP, amazing man, their coach was like, Brandy, I want you to take the last PK. She's like, okay. He goes, you need to take it with your left. And she was like, uh, okay. Now, even like goal scorers and like strikers and uh, offensive players, Do not like they don't like their, taking it yeah. with their non-dominant foot. Yep. A defender, no offense defenders, but you're not doing as technical stuff and you're not taking as many shots. To take a PK, like a spot kick I with your defense, left. I played defense, so I'll, I'll allow. You'll allow. I was, allow. I was a goalie. I was a I, keeper. I was a keeper. In, yeah, and then I, I, I got it. Um, she takes it with her left. She drains it. She just rockets it past and immediately rips her shirt off twirls it around and then there's this amazing picture of her on her knees just like ah! <laughs> and and there's this great picture that was taken of it just in this moment and then for weeks and months afterwards it was just hammered in the press of like that's inappropriate or they're like making jokes about it and like taking this amazing achievement and diminishing it to like she seems aggressive well but, but people were yeah. like did you plan it was it a publicity stunt she's like no i just like i was, I was just so excited i was just like really excited um they, sorry for having emotions right. i don't plan my emotion um it was it was a it was a, a huge tentpole moment in women's sports in general but especially in soccer um during this uh, they wanted to pay certain players more. Like they wanted to pay Mia Hamm more because mm -hmm. she was kind of like the, the media darling. And Mia Hamm was fighting for them to all get paid the same amount. So that was kind of their pay fight at the time. Cut to now, um, the women have scored more goals in this current World Cup than the men have in the past six or seven years. Um, and they're fighting for equal pay. Yeah. They bring in more money for U.S. soccer, not the domestic leagues, but for the national team. They bring in more money and more viewership, and they get paid, I believe, each player gets paid $38,000 less. Luna Bar donated $700,000, like the granola bar, so that they could be paid equally. Um, and they're, they're going through this fight now and all of them say like, without the 99ers, not only would we not be playing the soccer we're able to play today, but we would not be fighting for the things we are today. Like we would not even think about that. Um, all of every single female soccer player is also an activist, like straight up. They just are, um, man, I really wanted to tell this more as in like a beautiful story and like they're pioneers and whatnot. I just got real excited and got Got well, this is really funny to me because so you chose you ch you chose the theme of of sports for today's episode, and it's funny to me because you're, I'm like you're like getting hung up on your notes, but also like not looking at your notes. Yeah. And as I go into mine, because I don't really follow sports much at all. Yeah. Uh, I've been like loosely following uh, the the World Cup. Soccer is a sport that I actually enjoy watching on TV, uh, and kind of the only one that I enjoy watching on TV. Uh, 
I'm going to be like nose down in my notes yeah. the whole time. And I'm not going to be like throwing around fancy verbiage. Uh, these like these like long pauses I'm taking. I'm like, oh, I, I saw the specific stat and no whatever. But the rest of it is just me like, yeah, I got this. Be like, I know. I remember this. I know this. Um, it's, it's interesting because I was uh, 11 at the time that this or I was nine at the time when the women's world, the 99 cup went on. Um, and I remember, I know so many people my age, especially soccer players being like, I remember that game and I remember those PKs and whatnot. My family were not sports people. Like I played sports cause my mom was like, we're going to throw you in as many activities as you can. Cause you hyper, but she, <laughs> we got to bring you down. She still run around. That she still does not understand sports. We never had like a team growing up cause Iowa doesn't have any professional sports. So like, I remember this because of the media attention. And I remember yeah. everyone had a Mia Hamm poster, but like I knew nothing about this until like 2011 when the Women's World Cup was kind of like starting to get bigger and 2015 the biggest event I'm of all time. I'm the only one in my family who played soccer. Yeah. So like ever. So yeah. we like and we were a sporty family but we also were kind of like a uh a throw throw the children into any sport that yeah. they have an inkling of interest in. Uh, see what if anything sticks yeah um, I stopped playing I stopped competing in sports after middle school because the because the drama club and speech uh, team at my high school Fucking were nerd. very time consuming yeah uh, like we had like eight or nine productions a year in our drama Jesus. club so like there was no t- there was no time yeah uh, but and and also at that time I was still doing like musical theater, so I was like I'm dancing, I'm still being active. Like right. I was always an active person. Um, but I wasn't. I've never been a big fan of watching, of like sitting. I never like want to sit down and watch a game. Yeah, unless I'm at the game. Yeah, I most sports I'm not a huge fan. Well, I like watching college sports because it hasn't come to the realm yeah. of like the, the NBA and the NFL where it is just like showmanship and it's just like, Oh, look at, you know, I'm getting all these sponsorships and whatnot. There's no heart and there's no like team aspect. I'm going to be traded the next day if I need to. Um, but, but most of the people I know who play soccer now and like all the people in the world cup are like, this changed my life. And it was because I saw them that I would made the choice to do that. And it was like, I never really put that together. Yeah. And also it was kind of nice that it was just kind of normal. It's like, Oh yeah, everyone gets excited about soccer. I think like a lot of the, uh, knowing, knowing kind of the general age range of, uh, of pro women's soccer teams, uh, the, like the U S women's U S team right now, like they would have all been like six to 10 years old. Uh, yeah. When this, uh, Probably, yeah. Eight to eight to 11. Yeah. Uh, I'm the same age as a lot of the players. The same. That's I'm so, on the older end too. That's why I was. Yeah, that's yeah, why I was yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe like maybe, maybe like six, six to ten. Because um, I think the younger end is like twenty-two. Yeah. Well, now, but yeah, now the, they've all aged out. So like the youngest players on the team are are nineteen and twenty. So they wouldn't remember any of this. Yeah. Um, but they had the people like Abby Wambach and Carly Lloyd, who they looked up to at the time, who played with some of these people. Uh, I'm so glad I knew, I mean, I knew because I knew that you wanted to do sports because of the women's world cup. So I knew you were going to do soccer. Uh, so as to prevent any overlap, I was like, I will not do soccer despite the fact that it's the only sport that I can like discuss with any semblance of authority. Right. 
Uh, real quick, just to provide some context as far as the uh, size and scale of the stadiums that they were playing at. Yeah. Um, with the exception of two uh, stadiums, which were around twenty six and 27,000, they played at uh, uh, FedEx Field, which is 80,116 uh, capacity, uh, uh, Giant Stadium, which is a capacity of 77,000 716, that's the old stadium, not uh, MetLife. Um, Foxborough Stadium, uh, where the Patriots used to play, 58,868. Soldier Field, 65,080 capacity. Um, uh, Stanford Stadium, which has a capacity of 85,429. And the Rose Bowl, 95,542. Are these the capacities in 99? Because, like, for example, I know Soldier Field is bigger now. Yeah, that's, yeah, those are all at the time. Cool, cool. That's bonkers. Yeah. And and Julie Foudy, one of the the I think she was a co captain, um, she said that years later someone interviewed her and said, um, was was this an anomaly? Like, what is it? Were you pioneers or was ninety nine an anomaly? Like, cause no one should have they shouldn't have had that. There was 40 million viewerships just in the US alone yeah. on TV. Um and she said that question haunted her. Because they never expected this. And honestly, if it hadn't just like lucked out, that wouldn't have happened. If it hadn't, would- honestly, I feel like even if, even if the U.S. team did that well, I don't think it, if it wasn't in America. Honestly, the fact it was in America was The fact that it was too. in America and the, and the U.S. team were like yes. badasses. And I know, I know I'm going long on this, but it, I'm just so passionate about it. Um, the, the women, currently I said, are in a lawsuit now. And it's one of those of like, the women doing well in this tournament is not just going to affect U.S. soccer or soccer. They will set a legal precedent in the United States about equal pay that they can then build on for future lawsuits and whatnot. Yeah. And the United States is such a power in sports and entertainment and whatnot. People always are like, oh, these, you know, these actresses get paid millions of dollars and they're fighting to get paid more. People pay attention to celebrities. We have a celebrity yeah. culture. If they're fighting for this, it's going to affect everyone else. So these women setting this legal precedent in the United States is going to affect the pay gap and and um, equality among genders in in being paid. But it's also then going to trigger this ripple effect in all of these other countries. Um, this is one of the most competitive fields ever in women's soccer. Argentina, their national team did not have a game for two years. FIFA did not was not able to schedule them a game for two years. And now that it's on such a big platform, a lot of these countries are like, shit, that makes us look bad. Or like, we yeah. just got trounced 13 to nothing. That's embarrassing. We need to make ourselves look good. And so the United States doing well is not just going to be bragging rights for us. It's not just going to be like they may get paid more now. It's going to affect women's soccer around the world, which is then going to affect women's equal pay around the world. It's, it's, it's such a big, there's so much on their shoulders right now, which is why I get so obsessive and passionate about it because it's not just about soccer no and it can't and it's it's also it also will prevent this is gonna be a real slick segue guys it uh women's sports in general get underpaid yeah grossly underpaid uh so it's it also will would solve the problem of 
a lot of female athletes don't get an off season because what they do is because they're not getting paid as well. They play on their off season in other countries, in other leagues. Mm -hmm. And so there are, uh, there are WNBA players who have not had an off season, like who are like, let's say they've been in the WNBA for uh, four years or whatever. Uh, They've not had an off season since they were in college, yeah. since before they were too young to play in the WNBA, because they will go on the off season and go play in uh, go play in Europe or uh, uh, in China or in Australia in those leagues because they one need the money and two like there are there are WNBA players that like have been paid more than they would have been paid to play the WNBA season they have been paid by like a european team to sit out that se- the WNBA season yeah just to sit it out not play for a couple months so that they can be better players for their team yeah and they're getting paid to sit it out more than they would have been getting paid to play a lot of these uh athletes too if you follow them on social media everything they have had to become like hashtag ad hashtag sponsored like it's oh, yeah. kind of it's it's kind of embarrassing to see them like oh hey look at my new favorite product and whatnot they're not trying to be influencers they literally have to do that in order to get yeah uh, like paid well and so uh and and also wi- uh women are more susceptible to acl tears fuck yeah it's because of our our hip we have wider hips and then the the ligaments i think our gait is different from men yeah. because of that. I've had many, many meniscal yeah, and ACL I was like, this issues. Is a great, this is a great, uh, yep. just a nod to your injury record. Things I talk about a lot, Iowa and my knees. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like when they're not getting any off season breaks, like they're more likely to injure themselves and more likely to have to retire early. Yeah. So like the, the career of a, of a female pro athlete is like, can be greatly cut short by the fact that they, have to play in these other leagues whether they want to or not like they kind of have to yeah in order to and a lot of times when players get these like career ending injuries they kind of play anyway they yeah. come back from them and they're like yeah most people they push through them most people who've been like yeah i wouldn't be a hundred percent when i came back they're like i don't i get a play though yeah so that's my segue into my story which is about the wnba but actually kind of not uh, so I want to talk about Cheryl Miller. Uh, basketball fans know who Cheryl Miller is, uh, but even like not huge basketball fans would know her younger brother, uh, All Star NBA All Star Reggie Miller. Okay. Uh, he played. He played for as a as shooting guard on the Pacers. He played on the Pacer Indiana Pacers his whole career, um, and he's like. Hall of Fame. Very, very, very good. Very good. Uh, but uh, he used to always say, and I, I don't know what I'm saying used to, he's still alive. Uh, he was, <laughs> but he, he would always say when people would ask like, about like fierce contenders or whatnot, or if people, if they were, the question was about his sister, he's a very athletic family. Um, there's another brother who played pro baseball, I think. Um, they, that he used to say that uh, Cheryl used to kick his ass. So Cheryl Miller uh, was born in she was, she was born in California, Riverside, California. Um, she's an American basketball player and coach, and credited as one of the greatest players in the history of women's basketball. 
So uh, like that achievement is like kind of couched in her gender. Like Reggie Miller is like, no, just like one of the best basketball players of all time. And a lot of a lot of like big basketball fans uh, will say like, regardless of gender, like one of the greatest basketball players of all time. She is currently the women's basketball coach at Cal State in L.A. Um, and my friend said that she she was a like something like the first or the only woman um, to have scored, maybe as American woman who have scored like a hundred points in a single game. But looking at like the list of people who have scored over a hundred points in one game, like she's not the only woman on the list. Wait, right? she individually scored a hundred points? She individually scored over a hundred points. And what's crazy is that she, that was for her, that was in a high school game. It was her, I think it was her senior year of high school. Fuck. She scored like something like 105 points in one game. Um, so she like she checked off that achievement really early. Uh, Easy, yeah. She's like casual, whatever. Um, yeah. So she's she. So Reggie used to always say that like she kicked his ass. Um, she was a danger pretty much anywhere on the court. She could shoot. She had a great like uh, shot accuracy from kind of anywhere. Was she a forward. Uh, oh God, I should know that. I think so. Yeah. Yes, I believe so. Hey DJ, Rip. hey, DJ Rip. You want to hit us fact. with a beat? Yeah, want to hit us with them, them sweet, sweet beats? Uh, I, that's the bare minimum of something that I should have known. <laughs> I was more I was more just like it, it doesn't really matter, just like, but, but it is one of those, like, if you can play any position on the court, like, that is. I think she played most as a forward. Yeah. Uh, but but she's, like, also an amazing and a very intimidating defender. Girl, 6-2. Uh, and, uh, and, like, an amazing rebounder. Which is another reason why I'm like she had to have been like a forward or like yeah I had a I had a middle school basketball coach uh, Gary Turner he used to yell at me Maher you're killing me um, I remember him being like just like shitting on like forwards and post players like as a joke kind of but he's like you just need to get the ball off the basket don't dribble it um, so you're not allowed to dribble not allowed to dribble She's like, he's like you're supposed to be tall and powerful and just get those quick shots in there. Uh, yeah, so like, anytime a forward is like a really good ball handler or shooter, I'm like, yes. She probably like center forward. Okay, checks yeah. out. I was gonna say if she yeah. was like also uh, like an court. amazing rebounder well, and, and center forward too. You don't think of them as like dribblers a lot, yeah, or outside shooters. So that's impressive. Um, so yes, uh, but like she was like, give me the ball. I can drain it from wherever I am. Uh, <laughs> is what I sound like. Um, <laughs> but so she played all through her youth. Uh, like in in high school when she was you know breaking that record of shoot, of scoring over 100 points in one game um she set california state records for points single in a single season uh in a single game uh in her high school career um the the rec- i think she still holds the record for points scored in a single season she scored uh, 1,156 points in one season, and in her high school, entire high school career, she scored 3,405 points. And I think she still holds a As California a state record. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so, and they were, she was, like, named High School Player of the Year by Street and Smith in both 81 and 82. Uh, and then when she went into college, she went to USC, and she majored in chemistry, so she's like, I'm just going to be taking some like biochem classes and like casual just casual oh hey you headed to ochem swish yeah uh <laughs> just doing just just doing the chemistry while also being the first female first player male or female 
to be named All-American by Parade Magazines four times. Every year of her college career, she was named All-American by Parade Magazine. Holy shit. Uh, and like no, no male player had even gotten that achievement. Um, her freshman year, she leads her team to the championship. Her freshman year to the NC, uh, yeah, to the to the championship, and then um, she was the NCAA tournament MVP. Uh, I think they only won the championship two years. I believe it was her freshman and her sophomore year. Yeah, both times she was named the whole tournament and MVP. Um, she was the NCAA Player of the Year three years in uh, in college. Sports Illustrated named her the best player in college basketball, male or female. Uh, she she won the Naismith College Player of the Year three times. She was the Broderick Award winner for like the female college player of the year. She just was like cleaning up. Yeah. Uh, while also doing the chemistry. Uh, Casual. Uh, she was the first USC player, male or female, to have her jersey number retired when she, what? When she yeah, by the university. Y'all, that's a big deal. Yeah. Having a jersey number retired. I feel like it's a big deal in college sports in yeah. general. Yeah, it's also a big college too. Yeah. Uh, so she's she's the she was the first one. They were like, you know what, Cheryl, ain't nobody get to wear this <laughs> this number. This number is is going up in the rafters. Uh, so then, so while she's in school yeah that makes sense date wise while she's still in college she plays in uh and like shortly after college she plays in like the world championships uh the pan-american games and the summer olympics uh which were also in um, uh the u.s that year uh, uh yeah 1984 Georgia. summer olympics no they were the summer 1984 summer olympics were in los angeles but i think the women played a game in georgia and game and game and game uh, the soccer team, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Shut yeah. up, Cass. <laughs> Shut up, Cass. This isn't about you. Uh, yeah, so she, like, they they win the 1983 World Championships. They win the gold member. Me- the gold member. <laughs> <laughs> they win the gold medal in the Pan American Games, also in 1983. 1984, the Olympics come around. Uh, they win the gold member. Good <laughs> They win that. It's a very different sport. They win the gold medal <laughs> in the Summer Olympics. They were the first, the, it was the U.S. women's, uh, is the U.S. women's basketball's first gold member. <laughs> She's honestly I'm not wow. doing this on purpose. It's their first gold medal for the U.S. women's uh, basketball team. Wow. Uh, in the Olympics. Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> Uh, Natalie's falling apart. Yeah, I am disintegrating. Uh, they win a whole bunch. It was like she leads teams to a whole bunch of other wins. 1986 uh, title and gold at the World Basketball Championship and the Goodwill Games. Uh, both times, I think it came down to like them and Russia, and the they were and they were like nah, and they won. Um, Russia. And then also during all this national and international play, she's winning a lot more like receiving a lot more honors and awards yeah. just for like literally being one of the greatest basketball players yeah. of all time uh after graduating usc in 86 so all of this is while she's still in school all of these all of the world championships and olympics and whatnot are all mm. while she's still uh an undergraduate and undergraduate um when she, deep talk. breath deep breath sports 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 <laughs> 
When she graduates, uh, she was drafted by the U.S. Basketball League, which is a men's league. Uh, so wow. that's bonkers. I couldn't find that much about like her playing for them, though. Yeah. So I like wonder if I, I think it's because she she that was like eighty six, and I know that she uh, retired from playing in the late eighties because uh, of a of I think a couple of knee injuries. Oh my god! It's like hashtag hashtag your twin. Free free the name. Uh, so when so I don't think she got to play long in that league. Um, and at that point, she returned to her alma mater and uh, to be the assistant coach and then ultimately be the head coach uh, at USC. And during that, she was also uh, she also started like her broadcast career, um, which like gives her another milestone because she was uh, a commentator, analyst and reporter for NBA coverage on uh, multiple different networks throughout her career. And one of the kind of like big milestones was that she was actually the first female analyst to broadcast nationally televised men's professional basketball. Wow. Uh, so they had never had a, a female analyst, which That's makes awesome. me think of like, I don't know if Aaron Andrews, who was a, like a sideline, sideline reporter mm-hmm. yeah. for football. I don't know if she was like the first, I just remember like, she was the first, like, did she Big do deal. She NFL? was the first like kind of crossover star. Yeah, she started in college. Yeah, UF uh, alum, go Gators. Well, because I know she was at a game that I was at at U of I, and I remember people being like, "This is a big deal." Yeah, that's when she first started to like break out on the mainstream, and then she signed with Fox and started doing NFL games. Uh, never commentary though. Okay, always uh, just like sideline reporting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just thought of that like while I was. Yeah. Because you still don't see a lot of it. No, only really only in basketball. Like, yeah, football doesn't have any any women commentators. Baseball, there maybe was a one. Who or was two. a? Was it Cam Newton who during a post game press conference, um, a female like reporter was asking about like him switching up his routes and whatnot, and mm-hmm. he's it's funny hearing a woman talk yeah. about football. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, um, but yeah, basketball more then the other sports will have women commentators. Doris Burke is excellent. I think Um, it's partially because like there's at least feels like there's been more of a a female presence in that sport for longer. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's no, thanks to like Cheryl Miller. Um, there are women referees, uh, Oh God, what's her name? She's a coach for, she's like an assistant coach for San Antonio. Oh, she's the first female NBA coach. She's, she's, soon to be the first female like head, head coach. coach yeah, yeah. she's still assistant coach right yeah yeah uh but we know she's probably doing all the work i'm just making things up now guys <laughs> but so today's episode is greg popovich just off in the corner drinking yeah, wine yeah <laughs> uh uh becky hammond becky dropping a beat dj rip Man. yeah beat beat to the beat uh <laughs> so all of this is happening all she's like one been like this amazing athlete uh, everyone loves watching her play because she's so just intense and amazing to watch play. Um, and now, now it is 1996. She has she has just been like the first uh, female commentator on a or uh, bro- yeah bro- analyst uh, to broadcast a nationally televised NBA game. Uh, and now, the WNBA is formed. So this is 1996. I did not realize. I knew it was young, but I still was like shocked that yeah. that like 
there's so many amazing female players from that greatly predate uh, the WNBA even being formed. Because because the WNBA is clearly the the professional league, but they were not the first. I was going to say women's professional basketball league because sorry, bring it back to soccer. The NWSL is the equivalent of the WNBA right now, but there was the WPL and there were a few other leagues that yeah. only lasted like three or four years and then they folded and then they had to wait a year and then they got another yep. league. The current NWSL league I think is in six seasons, which is the longest any soccer league has gone. So the first, the first uh, women's professional basketball league in the U S I cannot remember what it was called. Um, but the same year that the WNBA was formed, but like they beat them by a little bit. Uh, what it was the American Basketball League, so the ABL. So just mm-hmm. like the NBA, there used to be the NBA and the yeah. ABA, and then when they merged, like teams came over and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but like neither the ABL or the WNBA were founded until 1996. Wow. So at this point, like like Cheryl Miller's like been in like she's been injured. She hasn't been playing for like almost 10 years. Um, she's just been living that coach and that uh and that commentator life. Uh. So I thought I would take a like a little like a little pivot down the WNBA history road just for a moment because uh, Cheryl does swoop back in. So when the WNBA is formed, uh, Cheryl swoops. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Cheryl swoops was one of the first players in the WNBA. Uh, Cheryl Miller was a was a coach. Yeah, uh, was she she did coach. She stepped in to coach uh, and be the general manager for the Phoenix Mercury, but I think only for like two seasons, like a Mm -hmm. handful of seasons. Uh, And then she, and then she like took some time off. She like retired, like took some, she cited fatigue and like took some time off for a little bit. I then went back into a little bit of broadcast and uh, another college position before her, before taking on her current role as a women's basketball coach at Cal state. Um, but yeah, the, so the WNBA is now the only women's, uh, league in America around today. And just like every other women's league in the country has nearly gone bankrupt several times, mm. uh, because of lack of sponsorship, lack of, uh, broadcast coverage, uh, which also then feeds into the lack of sponsorship. Cause yeah. like people don't want to sponsor a sport that isn't going to be televised broadly. Yeah. Um, and kind of like lack of fandom because there's a lot of people who are super super into NBA, but like yeah, I feel like people who are super into basketball like both and will yeah. watch both because they don't they don't have competing seasons yeah. So if you love basketball and that's like your sport to watch yeah, you're gonna watch them both. They I will say that a lot of um and it is condescending to a certain extent, but also do what you got to do. Um, a lot of the NBA players have been going to WNBA games and like been uh very uh vocal about that um and they often say like oh when i want to learn i learn fundamentals from watching the wmba yeah and they go because they actually want to watch games but also they're like hey look at me i'm going to this wmba game yeah. you guys should too so good on them for that yeah they're trying trying to help share because a lot of the a lot of the a lot of male athletes it's not male athletes aren't the problem the male athletes are like recognize that the female athletes in their sports yeah are like amazing yeah uh and the games are very different to watch um but in in like 2007 
So like WNBAs have been around for like 10 years in 2007, like at this point. And in 2007, the teams were still estimated to be losing like 1.5 to $2 million a year. Jesus. Uh, they didn't have their ca- first cash flow positive uh, season uh, until 2010. And that was one team. One team in 2010 finally had. Who was it? Was it? It was Connecticut. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I thought because Minnesota has a big WNBA team, right? It, they, I, I think so. Lynx? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a friend uh, who works for them. Worked for them. Uh, the Chicago Sky uh, had like the the league MVP played for the Sky. Um, I don't know if she still does. Uh, well, she wouldn't be the most recent MVP. Yeah. If she still plays for the Sky, I believe. Uh, also, fun fact about the Chicago Sky: they have uh, uh, Allie Allie Quigley. Allie Quigley, who uh, played uh, for DePaul when I was at DePaul. Um, and I, I, now I feel like an ass because I don't know her partner's name. Her wife is also on the sky. Yeah. So they're the first. It's the they're the first spouses to play together on the same team awesome. at a professional sports league. I think in the world. You, and I'm like that's delightful. You and I have been talking. We want to go to a sky game, and we want to see Red Stars game, the yeah. women's uh, soccer league yeah, yeah. team in Chicago. Um. Yeah, so that but uh, the uh, guys go if your t- if your city has a has a local women like a women's please go team, please go support they're, they are they're fun so games. much fun they're and fun. they tend to not be like they're not as expensive yeah and it's like they're even if they're doing really well their ticket is it's not like also the men's teams are like they're the team sucks and the tickets are also so the sp- people that go there love the, the sport and the game and they yes. want to be there and it is a fun yeah like oh, fan atmosphere every time i've been to a sky game there's been like also like a group from uh like a school like there's yeah. like a bunch about like a bunch of like high school athletes or like middle school athletes or like girl scout troops and it sounds like i don't know it sounds like like kind of precious but it is so Amazing! It goes to, back like, to that. It's not about a sport. Yeah. It's not about a game. It is about influencing. And there's, it hate. I hate that there's so much pressure on top of just the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I think also the women's league has a smaller max roster size. Um, like I, th- I think that their max roster size is like, or it was reduced at one point in like the early 2000s to like. 11 but it's like you have nine on a court so if somebody is injured you basically don't have a bench you're fucked yeah it's bonkers to me especially with all them knee injuries uh and then just because we were talking about pay equity here's a fun little fun number uh this this is a, this is from a couple of years ago uh but the salary cap for an entire team uh was under one million dollars for Fuck. yeah uh this was a couple of years ago and it was i think it was like it was approaching a million dollars. Like it was like 900,000. Um, for reference, the NBA salary cap, uh, for an entire team is 99 million. So just a little, just a little lack of (laughs) balance there. Um, but yeah, so, but this is, this is about Cheryl Miller. Um, she coached, the Phoenix Mercury. She was a very. I think she was very happy to see that the WNBA yeah. came into being. Uh, and it's then, also really hard for those people who are the greatest of all time, and they missed out on the professional. Like, yeah. like you know, uh, look at like Mia Hamm and Brandi Justine and all them. They didn't get 
the professional league that we yeah. have now. And even that is not great. Yeah. But they had the 99 years and then now it's becoming big and not only more visible, but like they are getting the sports science behind it. Like if you see some of the things they do to like train and whatnot, like they were just out on the pitch running back and forth. Like yeah. they have made this an actual profession and some of the greatest players in the world and pioneers never got that. Yeah. But they're still happy to see the other people get it. Yeah, she like even and similarly, I think to uh, when uh, the women's soccer league got got like picked up more steam. Like the players were a little bit older for that reason. Yeah, uh, and so the I think that I don't know about Cheryl Swoops, but I know that a couple of the other um, players that were kind of the the pioneers or like the the darlings of the WNBA when they got started. Um, like uh, Leslie Cooper uh, and whatnot, I think they all only played like three or four seasons. Yeah. Um, a couple of them all played on the same team, and I think that team, I think it was like the Houston Comets, and the Houston Comets won like every they women's were a championship. Dynasty. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. like, so, and it was like, then they kind of all aged out. Or well, and you look, their- I mean, the, the average uh, career span of an athlete is short to begin with because you got to be a peak physical condition. Yeah. Um, a lot of them around that time too were older because you know that there it wasn't as big there wasn't as many people you got to last longer um it's cool to see now like Mallory Pugh and Lindsay Horan they for, foregoed college athletics and they went straight to the pros Mallory Pugh got signed uh when she was 18 then they then they uh, and they got a, they went straight to professional athletes like like you see a lot of men do for basketball and football which is cool I think I don't I don't know if this is accurate. I'm kind of pulling this half out of my ass, but I I think we are professional historians. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I'm a professional sports fan. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the minimum age or minimum age for to join the WNBA might be like 21. Yeah, um, but uh, you, I'm gonna oh here I go with another great segue. Uh, Cass just mentioned the Chicago Red Stars, which you should also go see play. It is a pain in the ass to get to Toyota Park, but so worth it. Yeah. Um, I have a surprise for you. Uh, A player from the Chicago Red Stars, Nikki Stanton, uh, called me and left me a voicemail with a little bit of sports, a little bit of soccer history. No, you guys, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, her partner, Sam Kerr, is in the World yes. Cup right yep. now. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I couldn't get Sam. Uh, actually, I didn't, I didn't get, try to get Sam. I texted right. Nikki immediately. Right, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yes, she. I asked I her if she'd be down right to... <laughs> I knew you'd be so excited. Oh, I love surprises. I asked her if, she'd be, if she would uh, if she would want to be our first uh, little remote guest. Oh, my God, yeah. And, and drop a little knowledge on us. Uh, so she called me this morning, and she left me a voicemail. Uh, so we're going to have to figure out how we're going to play this voicemail. Uh, for you I'm guys. crying mainly because I love surprises, especially when they're thoughtful. <laughs> and I love giving thoughtful surprises. Oh, Natalie, you're such a sweet, sweet friend. Uh, so Nikki Stanton is also our age. Uh, <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> so also our age. And plays for the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, she used to play for Seattle, I want to say. Um, and she's also been on loan to Perth Glory before. Um, Australia has a great uh, 
a women's soccer league. All right. So hopefully this sounds good. Yeah. Hey, Natalie, it's me, Nikki. I'm just giving you a call to give you a little info on some soccer. I found an interesting fact that I was thinking about, and um, I don't know if you've watched much, but the Jamaican national team, I found out that they're actually almost fully funded by Bob Marley's daughter, Fidella, which I think is pretty cool. They're called the Reggae Girls, and they've pretty much funded their entire way to the World Cup by having, like, pool parties um, and charging people $100 to go and the coaches have like put in money out of pocket and they've come and they have scored their first world cup goal actually a girl who used to play in the league um yeah i thought that was very interesting because they're very vibrant colorful and really fun team to watch and who knew that bob marley's offsprings were helping that along um but hope that you are doing well and i'll talk to you soon bye that is so cool yeah and yeah they scored their very first world cup goal um and it was huge and they're Oh, and Bob Marley's family funds all of that? Yeah, it's uh, the the daughter that, that Nikki specifically mentioned is I think, Cabela, C-A-B-E-L-L-A, yeah. uh, Cabela Marley, uh, basically has, funds their entire, like, has funded their entire team, and then the team basically funded their own way. That's amazing. The, because nobody, nobody pays women's sports. It's get. one of the, it's not the Cameroon team. It's one of the African nations, I believe, uh, their entire uh, coaching team is volunteer basis, 100%. Yeah. I did not know that. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the Luna Bar was like, here, U.S. women's team, and uh, pool parties, yeah. and uh, and Bob That's Marley's so family. That's so cool. That's amazing. Got Jamaica there. That, what a lovely little surprise. Thank you. Shout out Nikki Stanton for yeah. that. Dropping that beat on us. That's how I'm going to fund Arcade Audio is yeah, right? pool, pool parties. parties. That's hey, an amazing idea. I would go. Yeah. It's like, listen, I don't know if I would go to your pool party, but if, like, <laughs> if the Jamaican women's soccer team oh, I'm there in a heartbeat. were throwing a pool party, I'd yeah. be like, I trust that you can throw a bomb-ass pool party. That's yeah. better than uh, busking like the Jamaicans men bobsled team was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they took inspiration from it. Aww. They were like, we can do this. Just, uh, just better. Just, yeah. Just women getting themselves uh, into competitions into that they deserve competitions. To be yes. Well, wow. This has been a very exciting and passion filled sports episode. Thank you, Natalie, for going outside of your comfort zone. Sports, <laughs> um, sports, sports. Check I got out, to bring it back to Chicago. Check so out fine. ESPN 9 for 9. They've got great episodes on uh, the 99ers, on Pat Summit. They have one on Cheryl Swoops, Anna Kornikova. It's a great little series. Uh, I also have here the first um, women's basketball league in the United States. It was the Women's Professional Basketball League. And it lasted three years from 1978 to 1981 and included teams such as, in uh, uh, alphabetical order, uh, the California Dreams slash Nebraska Wranglers, the Chicago Hustle, uh, the Dallas Diamonds, the Dayton Rockets slash Washington Metros, the Houston Angels, the Iowa Cornets. (gasps) Cornets? Come on. uh, The Milwaukee Does. Uh, Minnesota Phillies, the New England Gulls, just like okay, okay. on the nose. <laughs> uh, the New Jersey Gems, the New Orleans Pride, New York Stars, Philadelphia Fox, St. Louis Streak, and San Francisco Pioneers. And also, their logo is fucking vintage dope, and I want it on a shirt slash hat. 
slash Let me merch see in general. Oh, dude, that's we'll post yeah. this on the Instagram. Yeah, it's let's make great. t-shirts. Yeah. So, but I think that the WL WBL was only uh, only survived for like three or four three years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, yeah. three yeah. years, and then I think the ABL only survived for like three years. Mm. Uh, and and luckily, a lot of uh, luckily they were on at the same time as the WNBA since they started at the same time. So a lot of those players got to move over. Yeah. Um, so follow your follow women's sports, support you women's sports, and show that, that women's sports are worthwhile and that women are you know worthwhile. Yeah. And go to if you're a local in Chicago, go to a Chicago Red Stars games. There's four Chicago Red Stars on the U.S. women's team. Yeah, at it's the World unreal. Cup. And if you see them play another team in the in the W. NWSL, you're gonna see like three or four more. Yeah, because players. a lot of them play for other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also follow uh, follow Nikki Stanton. She's great. Her Instagram is at Nikki Goody Seven. So N I K K I G U T I Seven, and she's just the best. And that's that's our episode of shared history that's we just shared a lot of history follow us on instagram and twitter at shared pod any send any questions corrections suggestions to shared podcast nope that's not it to shared history podcast at gmail.com guys are Uh, killing it uh go collect all of your gold members and share you later Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.